David Or. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon to you and yours on this Tuesday, March 14th, the year 2023. McNeese gets proactive. The Saints keep a wide receiver and a backup quarterback. And we're just um, the start of the NCAA tournament. First four begins today. We got a lot to talk about. And we'll get busy with it right away is my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, it appears that the New Orleans Saints have agreed to a restructured contract with wide receiver Michael Thomas. The Saints restructured it, reaching an agreement on a one-year $10 million deal that has a max value of $15 million. Michael Thomas betting on himself. And he is staying in New Orleans. So that's a good thing. The Saints have their backup quarterback as well as Jameis Winston will remain with the New Orleans Saints on yet another reconstructed contract. A one-year deal worth up to $8 million, according to a report from NFL Media. No starting opportunities. Winston will stick around with what is familiar to him. He was set to earn $12.8 million, but the Saints saving some money. Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan agreed to restructured contracts to help the Saints get below the NFL's salary cap. Andy Dalton, the free agent, now appears set to sign with the fifth team of of his career with Winston's move to remain in the Crescent City. There you go. Will Wade signed a five-year contract and McNeese getting proactive has suspended their new coach for the first five games of the next basketball season. There are also other recruiting limits that have been put on Wade by the university and a preemptive strike against any upcoming NCAA ruling linked to his time in Baton Rouge and at LSU. Wade signed a five-year, $1.175 million deal this week to become the 12th head man's basketball coach in McNeese history. 
The breakdown goes like this. Wade will get 200,000 in the first year, 225,000 in the second. In years three and four, the number goes up to 250,000 with 260,000 set for the fifth and final season. He'll have to work with a compliance officer to ensure the strict compliance of NCAA rules. He'll have to submit a weekly report on all recruiting act, uh, activities, phone calls, texts, etc. That will be submitted to Miss Bridget Martin, the Deputy Athletic Director for Compliance. And then that will be forwarded to the Southland Conference League office. So there's a lot of stipulations here. McNeese doing their due diligence. Um, and, and trying to get ahead of the game. Um, Wade's contract, the richest basketball deal ever for a McNeese basketball coach, second highest to football coach Gary Goff. You could just see, you know, it's, it's a different world, McNeese to LSU. It's not, it's Wade signed with LSU and they flew him in on a jet. Wade signed with McNeese. They flew him in on a prop plane. He was making more than $1.175 million a year at LSU. Now he's making $200,000 a year, but he's back in the game. And that is what really, truly, truly matters. So congratulations to McNeese. They're getting ahead of the game. They're doing what they feel is right. And uh, that's, that's good. Very smart on their part. Yes, indeed. The Pelicans take on the Los Angeles Lakers tonight in a very, very pivotal Western Conference NBA matchup. Both teams are 33 and 35. Thanks to games played last night. The Pels have moved back into the play-in round. They're at number 10. The Lakers are at number 9. Pels are a half a game behind Dallas, a game and a half behind Minnesota, two and a half behind six-seeded the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. So great opportunity for the Pelicans tonight um, to try and go up against the team. No Zion, no LeBron. But the Pels should be healthy from that point on. Maybe Brandon Ingram does play. There's been no update on his his status. But if ever there was the time to be, now is the time to be. The SEC has adopted a new schedule and a new championship format now that Oklahoma and Texas are coming into play. And that format includes baseball, gymnastics, and um Volleyball, indoor track and field, swimming, and diving. According to the SEC Conference presidents and chancellors, chancellors approved the scheduling plans and formats last week during the SEC basketball tournament. Because of Texas and Oklahoma joining in, the baseball regular season will continue to include 30 regular season SEC games spread out over 10 three-game series. Each school would play two permanent opponents in baseball and eight rotating opponents, meaning the number of teams a school doesn't play each regular season would increase from three to five. Um, who LSU's home divisions, uh, home uh, regular opponents are going to be? Your guess is as good as mine. 
if I had to guess, you know, LSU with football is going to be Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M as permanent opponents. In baseball, how about LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State? Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. So stay tuned for that. Things are changing in the conference where it just means more. Yes, it just means more. Uh, LSU back on the diamond at against UNO. We'll talk with head coach Blake Dean of the Privateers. Um, coming up here around 2.30 this afternoon, we'll hear from Bob Marlin as the, the Cajuns are getting ready to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. A lot of people riding the Cajuns thinking they're going to pull off the upset of Tennessee, who was uh, is without their point guard and one of their best players. So we'll hear from Bob Marlin. We'll also hear from Will Wade at his introductory pep rally slash press conference yesterday. Um, and then Blake Dean talking LSU UNO baseball. There's no rest for Matt Degg's Raging Cajun Baseball Club. They play Jackson State tonight, 6 o'clock at Russo Park, uh, before taking on Mississippi State at 5 p.m. Wednesday at MGM Park in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, And then they get ready for conference play this weekend at home against Arkansas State. They have another five-game week next week as well with Grambling and Southeastern coming to Lafayette before another weekend in the Sun Belt. Ten games in two weeks. That's going to test your pitching staff. That's going to test everything. Blake McGeehee is the expected starter for the Cajuns tonight against Jackson State. He's the Ole Miss transfer. Got his first start um, last, uh, first start on the first weekend, but hadn't picked since because of inflammation. Jackson State is 12-2. and It's two losses being to Southern, 5-4, to and a blowout. At the hands of Southeastern, 19 zip. So the Cajuns back on the mound uh, tonight. Jimmy Garoppolo heading to the um, Las Vegas Raiders. Reports are saying now that Aaron Rodgers has a Jets wish list of free agents, including Odell Beckham Jr. So he's asked for... OBJ. He's also asked for three former Packer teammates, wide receivers Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and tight end Mercedes Lewis, all free agents at the time being. So we'll see. It certainly does appear that Aaron Rodgers is going to be heading to a new territory. So our guest list today, uh, Blake Dean, the head coach of the Unoa Privateers. He just got his 200th career win. The former LSU star comes back home. We'll get a preview of tonight's ball game in hour number one. In hour number two, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. How far will the SEC teams go in this upcoming NCAA tournament? We'll deal with that. Bob Rose will join us. Lots of changes on the Saints. They've got their quarterbacks. Now they need some defensive linemen because their tackles are all gone. Marcus Davenport is gone. Uh, We'll talk all things Saints and the NFL with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. So there you have it. There you have it. Busy day planned for you and yours, and we always wrap up some things with some birthday wishes as well. That's it. Tuesday, March 14th, the year 2023, when we return. 
We'll hear from Bob Marlins, Raging Cajuns, getting ready for the Vols, and we'll hear Will Wade, the new head coach of McNeese, after this first time out. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. So enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 17 minutes after the hour. The Raging Cajuns getting ready to head to Orlando where they open up against the Tennessee Volunteers. And Rick Barnes and the Vols have never, they've had some March issues. March issues. The loss of Zakai Ziegler certainly hurts the Vols. Um, the winner, in all likelihood, in the same region as Red Hot Duke, which hasn't lost in over a month. Tennessee can defend. They can frustrate teams. But do they have the firepower? Um, that is the question mark. That is the big question mark. Bob Marlin, in a presser before heading out of town, um, talked about and recapped uh, this tremendous season that the Cajuns have had. I'm going to start off by recapping the entire year. We were fortunate enough to put together a great staff last summer. Uh, we evaluated and brought in talented players who have worked hard and, and improved and we've had a heck of a year it started off winning the Asheville championship went undefeated in November for the first time in school history uh, went undefeated at the Cajun Dome obviously uh, first time in, in 38 years that that had happened and then 50 years since we had won all of our home games dating back to Blackham in 73 uh, this group was resilient. They played through that. Uh, we set a record for road conference wins on, on the consecutive trip, which was impressive. Uh, undefeated in January again, won 10 in a row, and uh, got as high as number three in the collegeinsider.com poll behind Gonzaga and St. Mary. There you go. Not a bad, uh, not a bad year at all. Tennessee will defend. Tennessee has size. Here's Bob on the vowels. They're super strong inside. Uh, the the length, the experience that they have, the way they attack the ball. We're both great rebounding teams. We're 15th in the country in rebound margin. We're a great offensive rebounding team. All of my teams here have been, dating back to Sean Long, right, the leading rebounder in Sun Belt history, about 400. That'll never be broken. Uh, 
so we, we respect them and, and know what kind of game we're going to get from them. And they're also very good defensively at the three-point line, Kevin, the number one in the country in that regard, too. So uh, our work's cut out for us. All right. Well, uh, everybody knows about Jordan Brown and what he can do on the interior. The big key for the Cajuns' success in their postseason to date has been Themis Folks. His, his hot hand has been dynamic by Marlon Touchstone, his guard. He was fantastic. Uh, I've said this before. He made a three early in the game when we had already taken a couple of questionable shots. Really needed to score because South Al came out hot. Uh, and that kept us in the game. Then he made a couple late that helped us win the basketball game. He made a couple of driving layups. And uh, his numbers looked just like they did at Dodge City Community College a year ago where he, he led them to the Elite Eight and at Hutch. And he's stepped up. He's he shot the ball better than he shot it all year. Did we jump, expect him to jump up and, and make three threes in this game? I, I, I wouldn't say that. Or score 23 points, a, a career high. But he certainly did in the championship, and he was excited. Uh, disappointed that he didn't make all conference, but he was excited at the end because we got what we wanted. Sure did. So, Bob, um, the postseason, lots of challenges. Your thoughts heading into the dance? Again, we've embraced the challenges all year. We have certainly pulled together celebrated each other's success and and they're ready for the big moments they enjoy those moments and uh, we've played well at times in the crunch and uh, we didn't play our best game in south alabama i'll give them some credit in the first half but we did find a way to win that basketball game so i think we have a lot of intangibles also that are, that are hard to put your finger on but some teams have and some don't and this team has it there you go um, so we wish them nothing, nothing but the very, very best as they get ready uh, for the challenges that, that wait ahead for them. Meanwhile, down the road to the west, the McNeese State Cowboys have hired their man in Will Wade. Will Wade had a press conference uh, yesterday afternoon. The game was there. So, Will Wade, why now and why McNeese? You know, I think there's, there's, there's three main reasons. One, this facility, this area, you know, supports this. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me was we came in eighth place and we led the league in attendance. And, I mean, that shows that there's major, major, major support here. And, you know, we've got to galvanize that support and, and earn that support by how we play and, and how, we, how, we, how we interact in the community. But I think number one is the, 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 the community support. Number two is the administrative support. I mean, when you sit down and you meet with, with uh, you know, with, with Dr. Burkell and, and with uh, Dr. Roos and with, with Coach Schroyer and with Miss Bridget, and, and, I mean, you sit down and meet with them. I mean, they, they, there's a passion these people have for, for McNeese and for Southwest Louisiana. And, I mean, you can't fake that. There's nothing fraudulent uh, about that. And so, you know, when you have that, when, when you've got community support, then you've got some administrative support, and then you look around and, you know, almost every other sport wins at a really high level relative to, to where we are. And... You know, why can't we do that? We have everything in place to do it. It's time to make it happen. 
Love it. Um, he was asked, you know, a year off, and he he did some things as uh, scouting for some NBA teams, but it's not like having your own team. So what did you learn, Will Wade, in your year away from college basketball? You know, I was, I was doing some work in the NBA the last year, so I, I learned quite a bit uh, about – um, you know, there, there's going to be some some lessons that I learned that that that, uh, that I can certainly take with us here in terms of some different things offensively, some different things with my practice structure. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff uh, that I learned uh, basketball wise. You know, it's the first time in 20 years I hadn't been a part of a team. I miss having a team. I miss being around the student athletes every day. I miss you know being in the being in the battles, uh, getting the team to the floor, preparing a team. I miss being with my staff. Uh, all that stuff, you know, I really, really miss. And sometimes, you know, I always say appreciation is the currency of success. I always try to stay unbelievably appreciative of everything. But sometimes, you know, you got to have something taken away from you before you appreciate it at, 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 at as high a level as, as you need to appreciate it. And I think I have a much greater appreciation for, um, you know, the opportunity and the ability to, to coach uh, college basketball and I'm looking forward to using a lot of the stuff that I learned in this off time to be even better and to make McNeese even better. He wouldn't be there if there wasn't a rebuilding job. You got to get talent. You got to do a lot of things. Here's Will talking about the biggest challenge involved in rebuilding a program. Well, there's a few. I mean, the the, the, the number one challenge is you got to find guys that won't come do it with you. Most people like, I mean, it's like anybody. Most people like to go to a home that's already built. Most people don't like to lay the foundation and put the walls up and put the insulation in and do all that. Like, I, I you know, you got to find the right guys that are willing to do that with you. And so, you know, we're going to be aggressive in, in pursuing guys that are that, that are able to do that and, and are willing to do that. And then what I talked about earlier, you got to set your standards. And then you've got to get everybody moving in the same direction with those standards. And then, you know, I mentioned it in there, but, you know, we're going to work our players hard. There's, there's, a, there's a certain level of work and work ethic that comes with with all of this. And I, I feel like part of the payoff for that is we've got to get the fans engaged. We've got to get the students engaged so our players can see that their hard work is, is rewarded and people appreciate it. And so that's my job when I'm working the players to also make sure we engage the fans, engage the community. And get everybody, get everybody going. I'm as, I mean, we won a lot of games at LSU, but I'm as proud of how we engaged the students and how we got that. Play. I mean, uh, that that took that took a monumental amount of work. And the guy who was the architect of all that is is, is coming with me to McNeese here, Nelson Hernandez. He'll be one of my. I mean, he was the architect of the whole deal there. He's got the formula. He's got the playbook on how to do that. And I mean, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna get out there and 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 do what we do. But getting everybody to come together and believe when there's not a whole lot to believe in is basically what I'm saying. You know, you, you can't see the finished product yet, but we're going to get there. There you go. Um, for McNeese to have any success in year one, they're going to have to hit that transfer portal. And they're going to have to hit hard. One thing I can tell you about Will Wade, reminds me a lot of Nick Saban in this regard. He recognizes talent. And he fosters that talent and makes that talent a little bit better. He's got guys all over the NBA from LSU and from his days at VCU and Tennessee Chattanooga. 
He not only recognizes talent, but he can develop that talent even further. He coaches kind of a pro style. He does. So here's Will addressing the transfer portal. You know, we're going to be aggressive in the portal. We're going to be, um, you know, we're going to see who wants to stay and, and see who we've got to build around, uh, you know, build around here. Certainly our kids here have the opportunity to go in the portal and we're not going to hold anybody back from going in the portal. I believe in the the, the, the free market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I believe in that wholeheartedly. So we're going to we're, we'll support anybody who goes in the portal here, but we're, we're going to be aggressive in, in, in finding guys in the portal that fit what we want to do and and really, you know, I, I think we've touched on it a couple of times, but I'm looking for guys that want a rebirth of their basketball career too. I'm trying to rebirth my coaching career. We're trying to rebirth this area. We're trying to rebirth our basketball program. I mean, there's some guys out there that have an edge to them and want to prove something and, and need, to, need, need, need a place to rebuild and rebirth their career, and we're going to be partial towards those kids. Again, taking a proactive stance, McNeese will suspend Will Wade for the first five games of the next basketball season. Still waiting to hear about the uh, notice of allegations and the potential uh, repercussions that Wade will um, suffer from the six level one violations and seven overall. Remember the NCAA heard? His case in early February is expected to rule on it and hand out any punishments if they are to come sometime in the summertime. For McNeese, the suspension is a way to show the NCAA it's willing to take the lead on any kind of punishment. So they have hired and coach will work with an additional compliance officer. He'll have to submit a weekly report on all recruiting activities. They'll have to participate, he and his staff, in a mandatory weekly NCAA compliance education class. Uh, He will not be permitted to have any off-campus recruiting related um, through July 31st of 2023 and so forth and so on. So they've done a bunch of things here. Hey, NCAA, look. We like the coach, but we really like you, and we're doing our little part right here. Throw us a line. Throw us a little love line and help us out a little bit. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, We'll take a timeout here. When we return, we'll shift gears to the baseball diamond. A former LSU star who just picked up his 200th win as a head coach is bringing his UNO privateers to the box. Tigers riding a 10-game winning streak. We'll get your preview Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 
1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back at 35 minutes after the hour. Tonight at 6.30, Alec Box Stadium, Skip Berkman Field. LSU will welcome back one of their all-time great players, I mean, an integral member of the last LSU National Championship team back in 2009. He still remains one of the all-time leaders in many offensive categories in LSU baseball history as a four-year performer for the Tigers. And he's taken kind of a opposite direction as in his career from his mentor and former coach Paul Maneri. Blake Dean played at LSU, is making his mark at UNO as its head coach. Maneri played at UNO and made his mark as the head coach at LSU. But Blake Dean is joining us tonight with career win number 200. Dude, congratulations, coach. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Seems like it was just yesterday. I didn't even know it was 200 until I found out after the game. Well, I mean, think about it. When you took over the job in 2016, um, a once very proud UNO baseball team had kind of fallen off the face of the earth. You talk about a rebuilding job. You've had six winning records in seven seasons. You're off to an 11-5 and five start this season. Take me back to then and how hard you had to work to get where you are now. Well, it's, it's, it's been a grind every year, quite frankly. You know, I got, I got kind of lucky my first year I came in and uh, had a good coaching staff coming with me. And I actually brought my brother with me my first year. He was uh, yeah. at LSU and then went to Northwest Florida where they won the junior college national championship. So I got two guys off that team and uh, we had a good little group that we'd already had assembled and added a few more pieces and, you know, jump started that thing, got 31 wins that first year. And heck, from that point on, it's, it's been a grind, but it's been awesome. It's awesome. Um, you've had some success against LSU. You're you're three and five against LSU. You had a that memorable seven to four win in fifteen innings in 2017 uh, at the box. Last year you beat LSU nine to four in New Orleans. So the motivation is there. You've done well against your former team. Oh yeah, we we like to go up there and at least kind of you know we make it interesting and see where it goes. You know, obviously we're. Anybody that goes and plays, you know, we're pretty much the underdog. So it's a, it's a good time for our guys to go up there and kind of play loose. There ain't no pressure on us. You know, they're expected yeah. to win. We, we go up in there and kind of stir the pot a little bit. You, you've you studied them. You've watched them. Is this the best version of LSU since your team in 2009 that won the whole thing? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's even questionable. I mean, they're adver- as advertised on paper and video. uh I mean, depth on the mound, power, depth on the offense, defense. I mean, this is this is a really, really good team they have. What do you do with Dilla Cruz steps up to the plate? What do you just, tell just your hope, pitcher? <laughs> just hope, hope we don't hit it out of the park. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, no, he's a he's a really good player. You know, he's, he's not only a good hitter; he's a good defender. Uh, you know, when I, I remember as a freshman year when I saw him come up to hit, and I said, "My God, just." Look at the back and the legs on this guy. He looked like a big leaguer, right, when he was 18 years old. So, again, you know, that's the thing about this lineup this year. You can't pitch around Cruz. Uh, you try to pitch around Cruz, and you run into the, to the next guy, then the next guy. I mean, it, it's just one through line, one through nine. You better hold your breath. Wow. Uh, Blake Dean, kind enough to join us. 6.30 first picks, UNO versus LSU. You got 200 wins, and then the next two games you got, you got LSU on the road. Then you got to travel to Austin to take on Texas. Thanks a lot, schedule maker. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that one's a tough one. That's a tough one. I said we're 11 and 5 right now. We got our lunch. We got, like you said, LSU to Mike Texas for three. Then we got Southern Miss when we get back from there. So we got, we got our hands full for these next, you know, four or five games. <laughs> Tell me about your club. What, uh, 11 and 5? You got to be pleased with the start. The, give me some names. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the, guy, uh, the way the guys are playing right now. Uh, I think the thing that kind of really sticks out to this point is, uh, you know, our, our, our hitting numbers have, are, are up there, but, you know, those kind of were a little skewed from this past weekend. We scored a lot of runs, got a lot of hits, so, you know, those are a little inflated per se. Um, our okay. defense is what's been playing really, really well, quite frankly. I mean, we're still 987. We've only made five errors this year. And, or, I'm sorry, seven, and five of those came in the first three games, so really pleased with those guys. We've got a Kasten Furs, a leadoff hitter, and Tyler Fishkey's our two hole, who are two guys up the middle. Uh, really, two really good one two punch offensively and defensively. Uh, and then uh, Tristan Moore, a newcomer this year, he's at Palm Beach State from the Virgin Islands, uh, is kind of anchored in that four hole for me. I lost some power last year, and the, my two hole hitters are currently at Mississippi State hitting leadoff, and then my, my uh, three hole hitter uh, graduated. So, got some stuff we replaced. We've got a pretty good team. It's a good conference. Lamar looks like they're pretty tough. McNeese is always good. You're good. Southeastern's good. I mean, it's it's a really good baseball conference um, from most of them. They, they got some bottom feeders this year that aren't so uh, aren't so good. But I mean, the upper division uh, any given day, right? Oh yeah, the South is a grind. I tell people that all the time. It never gets its due justice for the teams we play and beat. I mean. Heck, Southeastern just went on the road last this past weekend and beat Auburn two or three. You yeah. know, we're eleven in the country at the time. You know, so we went and beat Oklahoma last year two or three, who ended up losing to Ole Miss in the national championship. So the South is a very, very tough conference. There's a lot of blue collar players that sometimes get overlooked. Uh, you yeah. know, play with a chip on their shoulder. It's tough. These guys get after it. It's a tough conference to win in. What do you tell your team? Do you have to tell them anything before? What's your message to them tonight? It's not often a team gets to play against the number one team in the country. Yeah, just, you know, my, the biggest thing for me is just to go play our game, right? Just have fun. Uh, be fearless, right? I, you know, don't don't get out of our element. Don't try to do more than what we're capable of doing and, and do what we do well, which is play good defense, uh, you know, control the things we can control. If you try to, if you try to outmatch, you know, uh, somebody of that caliber, you're going to get whipped. Right? You're just going to get beat down. You just got to do what's given to you, execute it, and hopefully you put yourself in a situation where you have a chance to win. It. Please don't take this question as as a precursor in any way, stretch, or form. But coaches have the option. There's this new run rule thing. Are you all going to play under a run rule situation, or are we going to get nine innings out of this thing? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, again, it's it's one of those things to where, you know, what I don't like is you're supposed to predetermine before the game starts, you know, if, if you want to do a run rule or not. I would always prefer to play nine innings, you know, okay. but, you know, just like we played this past sure. weekend and we, and we scored 35 runs. Well, <laughs> God, dog, at, at some point I want to throw the towel in, right, and let's let's move on. <laughs> yes. um, so, I mean, I look at their scores. I think they've won 10 of their 15 wins or, you know, 10 of the 14, 14 however many ones it was, they've won by 10 runs or more. Right. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we don't get to that point, but uh, I would like to play a full nine, to be quite honest. With there you. you go. There you go. Um, that 2009 team, what, uh, other than winning the championship, what made that team so special? I think everyone, you know, everyone held each other accountable, right? So there's a lot of good players on that team. But, uh, again, in, in order for a team to be successful, you've got to have good synergy, right? You've got to all get along. 
Uh, you've got to have one goal, and that's to win. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to be able to hold each other accountable. You can't be afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, sometimes a guy is not going to run hard. He's not going to, you know, practice hard. And you know, when you have a team full of uh, guys that are really, really talented, they hold each other accountable, and uh, people understood that. So you, you can't be afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, you know, to to hamper the success of your team. You were one of those guys, uh, an outright leader, no question about it. Um, LSU versus UNO tonight. Um, man, welcome home. Uh, you talked to Paul lately? I haven't talked to Coach lately. We texted uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's kind of, you know, he's been more involved. He's come down, you know, now that he's kind of retired. Uh, right. He came down and played in our UNO uh, golf tournament. Uh, so Good. apparently he's uh, he's about made himself a, himself a scratch golfer. So I think he's he's taking money from all the former players and he's out there whooping <laughs> up on them. So he's he's found his new niche per se. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, well, enjoy every moment. Um, good good luck. You got LSU. You got Texas. You got Southern Miss. It's going to be quite the test for your team. But I know if they if they follow the leadership of their coach. They'll play hard. They'll be aggressive. They, they'll go down swinging, and that's all you can ask. That's right. Yeah, as long as they give me all they got, that's all I can ask. The rest will just take care of itself. Yeah, man. Look, uh, here's to the next 200 and beyond, okay? So so keep up. Can you imagine one day we might be talking and we'll say, Blake, man, you got 600 career wins. What do you think? <laughs> here's that. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully I'll have a little bit of hair left by that time. It's it's. It's spinning as it is, so I'd like to have a little bit back by that by hair thing is that hair thing is overrated, Blake. Don't don't let that get in your way, okay? <laughs> That's right, no doubt. <laughs> Good luck tonight, man. Thanks for spending some minutes with us. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, Blake Dean, the head coach of the UNO Privateers. As we are in the Evco Development uh, Studios, Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. We'll come back and we'll wrap up our number one after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th in the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour. Enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com. VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour Tours coming back, and you could win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
We're back 51 minutes after the hour tonight. The New Orleans Pelicans, a very pivotal game against the Los Angeles Lakers. No Zion, no LeBron. After that, your guess is as good as mine. Here's a fun fact for you. Trey Murphy III's 41 points the other night um, marks the highest total for a first or second year player in New Orleans franchise history. His 41 passed Anthony Davis's mark of 40, set back March 16th of 2014. And because of him getting 41, the Pelicans are the third team in NBA history to have at least six players with a 35-point game in their season. How about that? Pretty good. Pretty good. But the most important thing is, can they get a win tonight? That is such the key. And to do so, they're going to have to limit all those secondary players and not let them go off and, and do something that is unusual. That's the key. That is the key. So uh, can Trey Murphy put another good game together? Can C.J. McCollum continue to find his mark? Uh, can you get anything from Herb Jones? Valanchunas uh, going to have to control the middle, get the boards, and the Pels are going to have to run. And they're at their best when they move that ball from get it out of their hands quick and move it from one side of the court to the other side of the court, slash in, kick out, knock down shots. So Brandon Ingram, remember he twisted his right ankle uh, last Wednesday in a win against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he was listed as questionable for Saturday's matchup versus the Thunder. Didn't make it. Um, he did some pool work. Uh, the word is that he is questionable for this one. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. The Pels coming off that win over the Portland Trail Blazers. Now they've got the Lakers. And the Lakers have a 2-1 lead in the regular season series, meaning that the Pelicans want to prevent the Lakers from clinching a head-to-head -head tiebreaker. They need to win tonight. We'll see if Larry Nance, who got in for a limited period of time after missing the last five games with a left ankle sprain, if he is better off than this one. Jose Alvarado still out. Um, you know they want to play. You know they want to get in there and do some things because the playoff race in the West is so tight. Only three games separate the fifth place Los Angeles Clippers from the 13th place Portland Trailblazers in the standings. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So when you look at the Pels' upcoming schedule after the Lakers tonight, Winnable games, including tonight. Winnable games. They've got the Rockets in Houston on Friday and on Sunday. Rockets are playing for the lottery pick. Got to win them both. Got to win them both. Um, somebody wants me. Then you've got uh, the Spurs coming to town. Another team tanking for a draft pick then you've got the charlotte hornets 
they're injured. They're play. I mean, they, you know, so out of those, out of these next two, four, five games, you got to go five and oh, anything less than that will be a disappointment because after that, you got to go take on the Clippers in LA, the trailblazers in Portland, the warriors where they never lose in San Francisco. And then the first place Denver nuggets in Denver. So you better win these next five because after that, it's going to be tough. Warriors, Nuggets, Clippers, Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks, Timberwolves. It's going to be brutally, brutally tough. Really is. Um, The first four play tonight. The NCAA tournament gets underway. Can Mississippi State withstand Pitt? It's going to be a tough matchup for the Bulldogs. Blake Lavelle will join us starting off hour number two. How far will the eight teams in the SEC that made the tournament go? Is Alabama a Final Four team? How far will Kentucky go? Is AM going to get outed early? We'll talk to Blake about all that. And then Bob Rose, lots to talk about with the Saints. They've gained some, but they've lost a bunch on the defensive side. We'll go through all of that with Bob Rose as we do every Tuesday on the Black and Gold Report. So there you go. The big news of the day, the big story of the day, Will Wade suspended for the first five games of the upcoming college basketball season as the new head coach at McNeese State. Uh, He's Schroyer and that uh, administration taking a proactive approach. Look, NCAA, we understand. We're rolling the dice, but we're going to suspend them Please, please be lenient on us, please. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, March 14th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the EVCO Development Studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles on KLCJ, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, turn your Television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The dance begins. The NCAA tournament officially begins tonight with two first four games in Dayton. Yes, indeed. Can't wait. Southeast Missouri State, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, followed by an SEC team, Mississippi State and Pitt. With that in mind. From at 14 Southeastern, eight SEC teams in the dance. How far will they go? We're going to ask Blake Lavelle that and much, much more. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, Jordy. Doing well. Good to talk to you as always. 
Before we get to the tournament games, I got to get your thoughts on two coaching hires. Uh, one at Ole Miss and Chris Beard, um, who fell out of grace at Texas, and another coach who fell out of grace at LSU is now the head coach at McNeese State. Chris Beard to Ole Miss, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting discussion, I think, that, that many will have about this hire and are already having mm-hmm. um, based on, you know, I think some of the differences uh, when you look yeah. at the, you know, off the, the court stuff, and obviously that led to him no longer being the, the head coach in Texas. And um, then, you know, people will flip to the on the court stuff and certainly make this point that if um, you're just going for basketball success, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he was the top available option um, out there. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it's certainly an interesting one. Again, I, you know, do I doubt, have any doubt whatsoever from a basketball standpoint that he will, now take Ole Miss into that, you know, group of teams that has sort of started to rise up the SEC ladder in recent years. Now I don't have a lot of doubt about that. But um, the other stuff that, you know, people will still talk about, sure, it's going to be something that um, I think is discussed. And I think, you know, rightfully so in terms of just given everything that happened. And um, so, yeah, that's certainly an interesting development, not surprising. I think once they made the move, timing was pretty obvious where they were headed. And um, so, yeah, he's now the coach there. And, you know, the, the Will Wade thing, I think my belief was that he was always going to find his way back in probably sooner rather than later. And, you know, I don't know that that would have been a power conference job necessarily right away. So I think getting back into the swing of things at McNeese State um, probably makes a lot of sense for Will and, um, yeah. you know, I guess makes a lot of sense for McNeese. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. And um, all those past things will go away once they start winning. That's just how it works. So we'll see. Um, eight teams in the NCAA tournament. One gets underway tonight. Chris Jan, year one in Starkville, got him in the tournament. Now they have to play a really good pit team that can score in bunches. I'm worried about Mississippi State and there can they can they keep pace with a team like Pitt cuz they Mississippi State can't shoot from three point range they just can't. So how far does Mississippi State go do you think? Yeah, I think that question is answered by can Mississippi State force everyone to play their game because if they can, I think Mississippi State can actually make a run in this tournament um because again, we know what that means. That means playing a grinded out, lower scoring type game that's played in the half court where they can just sort of direct you wherever they want to direct you defensively because that's how they've won games this season. Now, on the flip side of that, if Pitt is hitting shots, um, like you said, that's a good offensive team. Um, They've got some experience there. Obviously, a former Ole Miss guy in Blake Henson knocking down threes. Um, Jamarius Burton, very talented player at guard. Um, They've got a lot of offensive pieces, and so I think that's the question, right? It's it's who's going to – whose strength's going to win out here? And for Mississippi State – in games they've won, it's because they their strength has won out. Their defense has been the, the prime thing that has pretty much allowed them that opportunity. And also, on the offensive end, even when they're not hitting shots, they're one of the better offensive rebounding teams out there. So if Mississippi State can, can do those two things, if they can defend it the way they pretty much defended down the stretch, I think they're going to be okay in this game. If they don't, and Pitt's hitting shots, I, you know, I always say, Jordan, it's like, to me, Mississippi State's not a team that's going to play well trying to get back in a game, and I feel like that's exactly. where they cannot put themselves in that position in this one. 
Exactly. I wasn't very high on Auburn, who'd lost nine of its last 13 games entering the NCAA tournament. But then I saw their draw as a nine seed. They get to play in Birmingham against a a Fran McCaffrey team. Fran doesn't scare me at all. Uh, Auburn got a great draw in this thing in the first round. Now, after that, well, let's hold our breath. But Auburn in Birmingham, I mean, big advantage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same, I think, we can say about Auburn as we can some of these other SEC teams. Like you said, it is a team that comes in having lost 9 of 13. And I think the problem, I always say for me, when trying to evaluate SEC teams in the NCAA tournament is I've just seen these teams play so much that, yeah, I've seen the good, but, man, I've seen the bad, too. And yeah. it's hard to really know what you're going to get with these teams. And that's why this year I think so fascinating for a lot of these SEC matchups in the tournament because – you do have a lot of teams that are seated, you know, seven and lower. And so you've got a bunch of matchups that feel like they're pretty close. And, yeah, for Auburn, I think it's all about their guard play. It's, it's what do you get out of Wendell Green? What do you get yeah. out of Katie Johnson? All those guys. If you get the good, Auburn should be able to win this game, despite the fact that we know Iowa's a team that can really score. They've got an All-American there in Chris Murray. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. turn the ball over. You know, I like teams like that. I like teams that can score and don't beat themselves. Uh, and they can do that. But at the same time, Auburn's a pretty good defensive team. And so, like you said, there's sort of that home court aspect playing in Birmingham. I, I, I go back and forth on this game a lot because even though I love the matchup, you know, for Auburn, I, I do have to keep reminding myself this team has not played great since about mid January. And right. I just, I don't know what I'm going to get with them. And, you know, it does, it's not the same team that has the, the firepower they had last year. Uh, and so that would worry me a little bit in terms of if Iowa gets hot. But the fact is, if you look at Iowa's shooting splits, they don't shoot it well away from home. Um, and I think that could be sort of an advantage here for an Auburn team that, that does defend pretty well. So. Yeah, that, they miss that Kessler guy in the middle. That guy, he was some kind of player yeah. for him. But uh, I think Auburn gets by this one. Uh, after that, all bets are off. Mizzou has to go way out west. They're going to play in a game um, that's really about 1040 their local time against Utah State. Um I don't know much about Utah State, to be honest with you, but I do know if they do win, who they face next, and that's Arizona, and it's going to be goodbye, good night. So let's Mizzou get one, and that would be a pretty good season under Dennis Gates, I would think. Yeah, I think just getting one would be an accomplishment because, again, no one ever thought they'd be here in this position, much less the number seven seed. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is all about offense. Like, these are two really, really, really good offensive teams. And so if you're looking for, you know, the higher scoring first round games, this has to be, you know, one of just looking ahead because both these teams can shoot it. Um, they're very efficient pretty much in every offensive area uh, that you look at. And so I think that's something where I would be surprised if this isn't an offensive type game. Of course, we know Missouri's fault. They're not a great defensive team. They don't rebound well, but this isn't really a Utah State team. You know, I think that's going to necessarily challenge them from a rebounding perspective. Now they will challenge them from from actually forcing them to play defense, um, you know, in your rotations, all that stuff. Missouri's going to have to play a very good defensive game. Right? You don't know if you're ever going to get that with them, but what they can do is we know they're good at forcing turnovers. And I yeah. think if they can get out, force some of those turnovers, not let Utah State kind of get in that rhythm where they're hitting shots from outside. Again, basically a top ten shooting team in the country from three. Um, I think Missouri has a chance here, but. That, to me, is going to come down to what we see from them defensively 
And obviously this season it's been a bit of a mixed bag. So, Yeah, I got Mizzou getting to the round of 32. I think a team that got the rawest of deals is Texas A&M. Grossly seeded as a number seven after reaching the SEC tournament title game. They had a regular season finale win against the number one overall seed in Alabama. They went 17 and four against an eight big league bid league. That's ridiculous to be a seven seed. And because of that, they're staring right down the barrel of Penn State. That's as dangerous a double digit seed as there is. This is a tough one for A&M. Yeah, I think A&M fans are not real happy. We did our preview video on this game earlier, and I, and I picked Penn State, and I don't think they're thrilled at it. But I, I'm just telling you, when you look at the matchup, I feel like everything there there are A&M doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, but some of the things that they are not great at, Penn State is absolutely the team that can exploit it, and yes. that's what worries me here a little bit. Um, yeah. Because let's call it what it is. I mean, Penn State is one of the best shooting teams out there. I said it a second ago, Jordy. I like teams that can shoot the ball and do right. not beat themselves. They do not turn the ball over. I think, you know, they're one of the lower teams in the country in terms of ranking nationally and the, the amount of turnovers they commit per game. Um, they're third, or I think they're ninth now in the country in three-point shooting. Now, the one thing you have to look at there, they rarely get to the free-throw line because they're going to take a lot of jump shots. And, you know, hey, if the threes aren't falling, absolutely a game A&M can come out and win this game, maybe even by double digits. But this is the most experienced team in the country in Penn State. They're led by Jason right. Pickett. Again, another All-American player. I think one of the better guards out there. They basically play five guards a lot. And that's the thing, Jordy, to me. is like the matchup here, a team that's going to come out and try to small ball you like Penn State versus yep. a rugged sort of traditional, you got you know a big man or two in there, um, You know, kind of all the traditional basketball spots are filled on A&M's starting lineup. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, this is one that would scare me if I'm A&M because let's be honest too, A&M shoots a lot of free throws. They're the number one team in the country at free throw attempts. How's the game called? Are they going to be able to get to the free throw line enough? Um, Because Penn State doesn't foul very often. They're one of the best at not fouling. So uh, I don't, I just don't love this matchup for A&M, but on the flip side, Jordy, like I said, if Penn State's not hitting shots, I could see A&M winning this by double digits. I think they. I think the selection committee has a sense of humor, and I'm picking A and M to win because the second round matchup would be Texas A and M yep. versus Texas, and I think that's 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 going to happen. Um, and I think Texas is better than A and M, so I think Texas will will survive that one. Tennessee takes on Bob Marlin and the Rage and Cajuns. Everybody talks about man Rick Barnes when it comes to March. It ain't so good. Zakai Zig is gone and that makes the the vile nation very leery um and very anxious bob marlin's club they they get after it they shoot the ball well from the perimeter they got a really good big man in jordan brown tennessee ul raging cajuns what do you think yeah this is an interesting one to me because i mean i think you're you're always looking at this game in the lens of what are you going to get from Tennessee on the offensive side of the floor? And the fact is we don't have any idea. Um, I think Tennessee defensively, even with Jordan Brown, even with some guys that can shoot the ball on the outside, I I do trust them on the defensive end because there's not been a lot of reason not to this season. Um, Even without Ziegler, it's a little different, but I think I still trust them in terms of the way they can defend. Um, Now, again, it's, hey, maybe they're not perfect defensively. Well, then they got that, that puts more pressure on them offensively. And this is not a team you want to have a lot of pressure 
offensively. They need this to be their kind of game, uh, which, again, to me, means they're not going to be able to, you know, they, they can't win an 80-78 type game for Tennessee. They need this to be something where their defense dictates how this game is played, and, and really that all comes to, down to how they defend Jordan Brown because if they can, you know, at least take him out of the game somewhat, um, that obviously puts a lot more pressure on Louisiana to try to figure out how they're going to navigate, you know, beating Tennessee. But at the same time, right, it's maybe you don't, you know, it's not like you can outscore a team like this because they just, you just have no idea. And that's my problem with Tennessee is I just, I don't ever know what to expect. I could see Tennessee winning multiple games this tournament. I could see them losing this game in the first round. That, unfortunately, is kind of where this, this ball team is that's right, right. Now. Arkansas has got so much talent. Normally they're playing at the right time in March, but they've lost four or five now. I don't know what you're going to get from them. Kentucky, um, who knows what happens there uh, because of time constraints here. Is Alabama a Final Four team? Are they a national championship team in your book? I think they are. I mean, I just I've said all season, Jordy, at their best. I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, yeah. Put every team, line them up, and take everybody at their best. I think they're the best one. And um, I, I don't necessarily love their path, maybe, you know, in a certain sense. But, but when you look at it, I think they match up well with Baylor and Arizona, San Diego State, all those teams in their path. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the tide are set up pretty nicely just based on the depth, having, you know, the go-to guy. They just got all the elements to me, and so I, I would probably be surprised more than not if Alabama was not at least in the final four. Who do you have in the championship game? I have got Alabama, and I'm actually, Jordy, still trying to figure out, do I want to put Houston there? That all depends on a healthy market faster. I think if he's healthy, I like their chances to get there. I think they're even being undervalued a little bit. Uh, or there's another team I've kind of got at the wild card on the other side, actually two teams. I think either Gonzaga or, or UConn are very interesting choices out yeah. west um, yeah. in that region because I think those two teams are really good at their best again. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Zags kind of make that very interesting run here. Uh, or that, UConn, again, a four seed that I really like. It's just a matter of can they get past Kansas or UCLA there. I got the Zags against Alabama because the Zags don't have that number one seed on their back. They're kind of laying down a little bit in the weeds. Nobody's really counting on them. Uh, and Mark Fuse do. I really believe it. Timmy came yeah. back for a reason. I got the Zags going all the way to the championship game. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, we're out of time, Blake. I can't thank you enough, man. Enjoy the tournament, okay? Enjoy the tournament. Let's pull for the Bulldogs to beat Pitt tonight, please. <laughs> That's right, Jordy. Appreciate it as always. Thanks. You're the best. You're the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We'll take a timeout. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, are asking you to help us go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to a thousand followers at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
And we are back and better than ever. 22 minutes after the hour. Time to talk um, Saints. And we are efforting to get Bob Rose. Um, Usually we get him on Zoom. Sometimes those Zoom invites take a while to get through. But uh, we are pursuing and lots to talk about with the Saints, with Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston on the plus side, Marcus Davenport, Caden Ellis on the negative side amongst others. So the Saints have have a lot of work to do um, as the legal tampering period is on um and of course we'll talk about the big trade with the chicago bears trading their number one pick to the carolina panthers what's carolina gonna do who they're gonna pick um tampa bay still needs a quarterback atlanta got their backup quarterback now so they seem to be all in with spencer rattler uh and uh and and we'll see we shall see um so, without further ado, um, let's get to the black and gold report. What do you say there, James? Okay, we'll it's it, time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the black and gold report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sometimes, you know, you got to just improvise and do some things. Bob, I know you're under the weather a little bit, but, man, I do appreciate your time. You're a gamer. How are you feeling? Uh, Jordy, anytime. Uh, of course, I wouldn't miss a Tuesday with you. But me me and the, me and the little guy are just uh, limping through our day. We're having a hard time keeping our eyes open. But free agency <laughs> frenzy has got me, uh, it got me jumping up out of bed every now and then. I hear you. Um, And there's a lot to talk about, starting with Michael Thomas, a restructured new one-year deal. I I never would have thought this was going to happen. But now that I sit back and take the emotion out of things, I don't know what the market was for a Michael Thomas. And then the signing of a Derek Carr maybe gives him a new lease on life. What are your thoughts on it? I, boy, I tell you, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I don't think Michael Thomas remains a, a New Orleans Saint if Derek Carr is not currently a New Orleans Saint. And I make no mistake, I think that that, more than anything else, had to do uh, with whatever fences needed mending between Michael Thomas and the Saints. And I'll tell you, I think New Orleans got him for a, for a big-time bargain, assuming he stays healthy. And, of course, that's going to be the question going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get a Michael Thomas at $10 million, even if he meets all the, the, the incentives that were written into this new rework deal, uh, yeah, they're going to pay out a maximum of $15 million, uh, to Thomas this year. Uh, you know, and if he, he meets those incentives, they're getting one, one whale of a receiver. Uh, but, again, mm-hmm. obviously health is going to be be the main question for him going forward uh but i'll tell you what now that they have Derek Carr obviously they have Alave there's high hopes for Rashid Shahid but neither Alave or Rashid can bring to an offense what Michael Thomas can and that is a big physical almost unstoppable weapon in the intermediate zones where Carr prefers to work so that's that's a big time keep for this offense 
Michael Thomas betting on himself. It tells me his agent's job is to go out there and, uh, you know, even though it's may not be legal tampering season, hey, I got my my client. He's at, he's out there. He's ready. What do you what make me an offer? And probably nobody was doing so because of the back to back to back injured seasons. So he's betting on himself. He's got a new quarterback. That's great. Speaking of quarterbacks, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, if you told me Jameis Winston was going to be a Saint again, I'd have told you you're crazy. But where did this come from? Yeah, and I'd I'd have agreed with you. Uh, It's not that I don't like Jameis Winston as a player, uh, because obviously I do. Uh, But I think what we saw – from this team last season, and uh, specifically Dennis Allen having the opportunity to go back to what was reported as a healthy Jameis Winston, and his refusal to uh, uh, to go back to him and just keep stay with Andy Dalton through, from the right. midseason point on. I thought for sure that Winston would hit the free agent market, uh, but listen, on paper, again, this is a big deal for the New Orleans offense. Obviously, Derek Carr is going to be your starter. Fans don't get this confused. There's not a quarterback controversy. There's not a quarterback competition in New Orleans. Derek Carr is your starter. But the Saints were never going to go into this season without an experienced backup behind Carr. Uh, and uh, preferably one with experience and knowledge of the team's offensive system. Well, Jameis Winston checks off both boxes. He is an experienced starter that has had some success, at least from a production standpoint. He knows the system. He's been with New Orleans now for the last three years, uh, You know, two years on the field, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, as a backup to Drew Brees back in 2020. So, uh, and the t- you know, his teammates love him. Nobody is going to outwork Jameis in practice or in the, in the weight room. So I think that that provides a, a good example too. Plus he can really get Carr uh, you know, f- up to speed faster with what Pete Carmichael likes to do with this offense. So you know, while I am surprised uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that Jameis Winston is being retained, I do think it's a great move for this team. So Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, and then Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan all agreed to restructured contracts to help the Saints get below the NFL salary cap. That doesn't mean they're taking less money. It just means that it's going to be a little bit longer before they get all their money. Um, but they're not going to pay. They're not taking a pay cut. So please, restructure doesn't mean getting less. That means. Um, they're just working out a deal so they can they can all stay and play and and be happy. Meanwhile, um, with all the cap issues, it has become profoundly obvious that defensive tackle is priority number one, along with running back. You lose Anyamata to the Falcons, Tuttle to the Panthers, Marcus Davenport to the Vikings, Caden Ellis to the Falcons. The Falcons are becoming the, the Saints, Northern Saints. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, and it makes me laugh. Uh, you know, the fan bases of uh, you know, New or- uh, of Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, they all like to to make fun of Saints fans on Twitter or the New Orleans Saints organization on Twitter. Uh, and yet they they now have to sit back, especially with Atlanta and Carolina too. Uh, you know, they have now have to sit back and watch their team bring in all kinds of former Saints. Um, 
And yeah, it it just makes me chuckle. Uh, but I think on the Onyemata uh, signing with Atlanta, it made a lot of sense because, yeah, as you know, uh, Ryan Nielsen, last year's right. co-defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach for New Orleans for years, uh, you know, directly coached Onyemata. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's going to be a good fit in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons have tons of cal- salary cap space. So, you know, we're seeing these defensive tackles, as you pointed out, Jordy, come off of the market at a very high price tag right now. Um, Yamada fits right in there, uh, but it doesn't mess with the uh, Atlanta salary cap too much. Uh, I, I, I'm rooting for David. I've always liked him as a person and as a player. Uh, I'm just going to be rooting hard against him for obviously twice a year. Right. Uh, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a good pickup for Atlanta. How would you summarize Marcus Davenport's career as a Saint? Now he's headed to the Vikings. You got to say disappointing. Uh, I'm not going to be one of those people that sit here and put him up with the greatest draft busts in team history because I think that's a little bit foolish and short sighted. Uh, But given what the team, what the Saints gave up to move up and get him in the 2018 draft, given what the Saints bypassed to draft Davenport in 2018, coupled with the fact that, you know, that his production and availability. Uh, you know, I think the production obviously would have been much, much higher if he were just simply healthy more often. Uh, you know, so I, I would call Davenport's tenure uh, tantalizing but disappointing in New Orleans. One that I hated to lose, much like that defensive lineman that went to Cincinnati. I hate losing Caden Ellis, and particularly to the Falcons. I think his career is going up, up, and away. Yeah, I do too. And yeah, listen, you, you and I on your show spoke about it uh, about a month ago. Caden said something very and that was very intriguing to me uh but before the month of before we turned the calendar over to the month of march uh when he was asked about pending free agency he said uh playing time and the opportunity to play is just as important to him as money and i think that we saw that uh, the reason I found it intriguing was that you know, New Orleans, as we you know, as we've seen in recent years, <clears throat> they often employ a two linebacker alignment while bringing in an extra defensive back. Ellis finally got his opportunity to shine, of course, because Pete Werner had injury issues last season. But I agree with you. I would, I, I certainly would have loved to see New Orleans be able to uh, to re-sign Caden. Uh, I think his career is definitely on the upward trajectory. Uh, and this just this reeks of the Trey Hendrickson situation. The same exact thing happened with Trey uh, back in 2020. And, of course, he, you know, he left for big dollars with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and anybody thought that, thought that Trey's career was on the upward trend has certainly been correct so far the last two years. Uh, and, and you fear, again, Caden's a guy I root for. I have ever since they picked him uh, you know, as a late-round late, late round pickup out of mm. Idaho a few years back. Uh, yeah. Heck of a special teams player. Once he got healthy and you know, had the opportunity to show what he can do in a defense, uh, I think if Atlanta uses him the right way, and again, the presence of Ryan Nielsen, Ryan is there. Ryan knows Caden's strengths and weaknesses. Caden has always been a downhill guy. Hey, you go get the football. You know, forget dropping back in coverage right. and doing some of the things that Demario Davis and Pete Warner can do. We just want you to attack the offensive backfield, and that's where Caden's strengths are. Uh, uh, I'm not too too worried about the you know, New Orleans linebacking core again with you know, with the Mario 
with Pete. I really love DeMarco Jackson. So I understand why they didn't prioritize Caden Ellis, but man, like you said, you would have loved to keep that talent in the building. He's the Trey Hendrickson of the Atlanta Falcons now. I really believe that. So the Saints need mm-hmm. at least two, maybe three, maybe as many as four defensive tackles. We'll talk about that. Um, Carolina makes a big move, getting the number one overall pick with a trade with Chicago. A lot of things to talk about, and we'll talk about that and the Saints' needs at running back as well. After this timeout, when we return with the Black and Gold Report with my main man who's playing hurt, but he's a gamer, <laughs> Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the LSU Tigers, number one ranked team in the country, return to action tonight at Alec Box Stadium when Jake Johnson's team takes on the UNO Privateers. Pre-game begins at 6, first pick set for 6.30. All the action brought to you here on the game by the following. Ardco Equipment, Arsimal Machine Supply, Bubba Ostele, Toyota and Ford, Cypress Bayou Casino, Iggy Castile State Farm, Attorney Paul Brown, The Bank, and Service Chevrolet Cadillac. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report Part 2. We talked a lot about uh, some of the restructured contracts, leaving the Saints with, boy, they have some voids along the defensive front. Um, They have voids uh, that they need to fill it running back. Um, Got that number 29th pick overall. I I firmly believe, Bob, that the Saints are going to wait until – after the draft to look for some reasonable deals with some veteran players or two to maybe fill those holes, particularly up front on the defense. I think they'd rather have some veterans and have to trade train up a bunch of rookies. What do you think the Saints do? Yeah, Jordy, I think you're right. Uh, You know, if if we do see New Orleans spend any money at any position before the draft, you got to believe it's going to be a defensive tackle. Uh, But again, it's not going to be within these first few days of free agency uh, when the money is, you know, when heavy duty money is being thrown about. Uh, But there's there's a few names at the defensive tackle spot in particular that I am watching uh, to see uh, to see if they're still going to be on the board at the end of the, this first week of free agency. Uh, I mean, guys like Sean Robinson, Puna Ford, Larry Ogunjobi, Greg Gaines from the Rams, even our old friend Sheldon Rankins, those guys are still all out there, and there is some depth 
uh, you know, some starting quality depth uh, at the tackle position too. Uh, you know, if those guys get signed to big deals. Now, those names that I just mentioned, we saw Anya Mata and some other defensive tackles get paid in the nine, ten, twelve million dollar per year range. That's about what these guys are probably going to you know, be signed at if they're signed in this first week. So that's why I'm watching those names. But fortunately, the defensive tackle is maybe the deepest position in this draft, at least according to scouts. yeah, so I think I agree with you. I think the Saints. I think the Saints address this position, uh, yeah, in with both avenues, both the draft and free agency. Uh, but yeah, the fact that they did not bring on Yamada back for what he ended up signing for, uh, and that he's still going to cost the Saints almost ten million dollars on in dead cap Jeez. money this year, it tells you where New Orleans mentality is as far as spending money right now. Uh, you yeah, know, so uh, so I. Do think it, the likelihood that they'll wait, maybe even after the draft, uh, to see who else is available and bring in veterans, not only at tackle but other spots, linebacker depth, maybe a veteran running back, possibly another wide receiver. Uh, it, it's more likely that the Saints wait and address those positions rather than hit them in, the, in these next couple of days. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Eight draft picks, three of the first 71 in the upcoming upcoming draft. You look at the 2022 draft, Chris Olave was outstanding. Alante Taylor was excellent, has a great future. If Trevor Penning, Penning pans out to be what the Saints think he can, now you got a really good draft. Those are three outstanding players that are going to be here for a long time. Um, and that is that is the key. Uh, but you look at the you look at the conference as a whole, Carolina makes, makes the big move. They've got the number one pick in the draft. You don't move up there until you, unless you're getting a quarterback. What quarterback do you think they take? I tell you, I thought it, when when the, that announcement of the, their trade made, was first made, I thought for sure it was going to be Bryce Young. Uh, but everything that we're hearing says either Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud. Now, I really love Stroud as a prospect. I put him right up there very, very close to Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson, his potential is through the roof, but he's not a quarterback that's ready to play, uh, you know, at least not from what I saw at Florida. And I watch Gators football a lot. Uh, you know, he, he just I wish this kid would have stayed in school for another year. Um, now, I know what we've seen you know, with Josh Allen is going to be the prime example of a really raw athletic guy with every tool that you, you know, that you want at the position, struggling his first year or two before right. that light really comes on. Uh, but does Carolina really want to do that? Uh, you know, do, do they really want to? Uh, and the impatience of today's world in general, but especially the NFL universe, a guy might not have two or three years to develop. So yeah. is Carolina really you know, going to give up the assets that they gave up to move up and you know, and draft a completely raw prospect. That's like ta- you know that's like cleaning out your bank account and putting it on black twenty one on the roulette wheel uh, and, and hoping it hits. Uh, but uh, again, everything that we're hearing says that the Panthers seem to be most interested in either Richardson or C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. So you've got. A rookie quarterback in Carolina. Atlanta's got Desmond Ritter, and they just picked up Taylor Heineke um, as Ritter's backup. So that's what you have in Atlanta. Tampa Bay, it appears Baker Mayfield's going to be their quarterback. And now you have the Saints with Derek Carr. Um, 
boy, that sounds like a huge advantage, black and gold, to win the NFC South. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, and you know, Brendan and I had Jim Everett on our on our Bayou Blitz podcast last week, and he you know, he he did keep cautioning us, not only us but the listening audience. Uh, you know, remember, there's still a lot of free agency left to play out. Uh, you know, and the draft has yet to play out. Uh, you know, so don't go running and making those NFC South uh, you know, championship bets on the New Orleans Saints just yet. Uh, but. Definitely, you know, if the quarterback position is your gauge, and obviously it's going to be, uh, you know, this uh, the the Saints look vastly stronger at that position than any of their divisional opponents right now. Uh, and then you factor in, you know, get, you know, bring, keeping Jameis Winston as a backup, uh, yeah. the 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 experience and knowledge that Jameis brings, along with the skill set that we're pretty sure that Carr is going to bring. Uh, yeah, the Saints not only crossed off their biggest need of the 2023 offseason, but right now sit, in my view, heads and shoulders above any other team in, in, in the division. I'm with you. Now that Jimmy Garoppolo's gone to the Las Vegas Raiders, who else is out there other than an unproven rookie quarterback or a Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold kind of a guy? So, I, yeah, advantage uh, to the Saints until we find out where – it certainly appears Aaron Rodgers is headed to the New York Jets. He's even telling the mm-hmm. Jets, look, get me Odell Beckham Jr. Get these three <laughs> guys from the Packers. Go get them. Um, what's the delay? What is the delay? Oh, probably compensation and, uh, you know, and you know, whatever Aaron is going to be costing you know, the, the Jets. Uh, you know, Jets salary cap this season and probably next year. Uh, what the Packers are probably willing to pick up, uh, you know, in Aaron's uh, Aaron's remaining salary. Uh, that, that that's most likely the holdup. Uh, I'm fairly convinced that whatever comp draft trade compensation that the Packers are asking for has probably already been met. Otherwise, these conversations still wouldn't go, you know be ongoing. Uh, I find it interesting that just before you uh, you and I went on the air together, that the Jets have announced that they've yep. agreed uh, you know, in principle uh, with a con- for a contract with Alan Lazard, his former receiver in Green Bay. So I think that's pretty telling. I would expect the Rodgers deal will be become official in the next probably 40 36 to 48 hours Mm, crazy um the giants acquired darren waller in a trade with the raiders giants i I like waller i think he's really good uh but the giants got him yeah i think if you're going to list the top three top five tight ends in the nfl darren waller is definitely on that list uh, now he's had some injury concerns in the last couple of years. It's caused him to miss some time. Uh, yeah, but you know, we've seen when New Orleans has played uh, yeah, has played the Raiders. I especially remember that Monday night game uh, uh, two, three years ago. Uh, yeah, he can be absolutely unstoppable. He is just a matchup nightmare for a defense. Uh, you know, size advantage over safeties, uh, athletic advantage over linebackers. I mean, you can't cover him. Uh, and you get yourself an accurate quarterback. And we already know that a tight end, an athletic tight end can be a quarterback's best friend um you know the 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 giants severely upgraded their offense with that deal uh and you you gotta wonder what the heck is going through the mind uh, of las vegas coach josh mcdaniels and it just it looks like he's gutting that team 
Michael Thomas is a saint. Jameis Winston is a saint. And I'm looking up and pigs are flying and hell is freezing. Oh, I never would have thought. <laughs> never would have thought it. But, Bob, I can't thank you enough. Man, get you and your son get well. Rest up. Uh, and thank you so much. By next Tuesday, who knows what we'll be able to talk about. But we probably, the, the NFL never stops giving us information to talk about. So thank you. Get well. I appreciate it. My pleasure, my friend. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. You got it. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you daily by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. Eon is the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction, all in just 20 minutes. The Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted, and by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? Can you wash your hair? You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. First four of the NCAA tournament underway tonight. And with that in mind, the Associated Press All-American first team was announced. Zach Eady, the Monmouth mountain man of Purdue. Trace Jackson Davis, the forward slash center at Indiana. Jalen Wilson at Kansas. Marcus Sasser of Houston. And freshman Brandon Miller from Alabama make up the All-American first team in college basketball. Uh, The world baseball games are underway. USA keeping on, keeping on. Their offense, they got Mike Trout. They're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. It's kind of fun uh, that that is going on with the regular season. Uh, Not that far off. Not that far off at all. So, um, yeah. Uh, Mississippi State pit tonight. That's uh, that's a good one. I'm pulling for the Bulldogs. The Pels against the Lakers tonight. A huge one. Pels got to get the win. If March 14th is your birthday, my late great, I love her. I love her. I love her. My mother. It's her birthday today. Uh, she shares it with you and along with Simone Biles from the world of gymnastics, who is 26 years old today and the greatest shooter I've ever seen. Steph Curry is 35 years old today. So tomorrow will be a very, very busy day. We'll recap the first who has survived in advance in the NCAA tournament. We'll see if the Pels have the the jump over the Lakers, if they can get a win tonight. Michael Huguenin will join us with all his thoughts on the NCAA tournament and beyond, and much, much more. All coming your way 
tomorrow. So thank you for watching and listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thank you, partners, for everything that you bring to the table for us. Thank you, James Mesh. Thanks to Blake Dean, Blake Lavelle, and Bob Rose. So join us again tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is next. So long, everybody.